Hey loves, this is Kate, the founder of Loam, and you're tuning in to Loam Listen. Loam Listen is an extension of our belief at Loam that creative community can be a catalyst for resilience and regeneration. Our podcast is still in its seedling stages, and I want to thank you all to the moon and back for your support of this new branch of Loam. I have loved hearing from you all about how you're integrating Loam Listen into your everyday and hope that this podcast can continue to be a source of healing. So thank you really and truly for being in this work with us. Today, I'm talking to the luminous Danielle Ryan Broida. Danielle is an instructor of mycology at Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism, the National Educator for Somatic, a registered herbalist at the American Herbalist Guild, and a certified holistic nutritionist whose extensive experience with functional mushrooms has helped her to become a cherished resource for understanding aptogenic herbs, immunity, and so much more. Thanks for making the time today, Danielle. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Kate. So resilience is an issue that is really near and dear to the heart of the Loam community. Learning how to grow our capacity for resilience during the climate crisis can help us to show up for Earth and for each other with greater grace and love and impact. One way to grow that capacity is to nourish ourselves. And that's why I'm so excited to connect with you. In so many ways, functional mushrooms can be an amazing part of our activist toolkit, healing our bodies and fortifying our spirits so that we're better prepared for the hard work ahead. And so what I would love to learn more from you about is how functional mushrooms can support emotional and physical resilience, especially during these difficult times. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this too. And I feel we're just so aligned because my background is also in environmental studies. And that was the catalyst to bring me where I am today. And I honestly had no idea that I would end up focusing on adaptogens and mushrooms as my life work. And it all stemmed from this place of what can I do to best support our earth and to grow our sense of resilience as people and as activists and as stewards of the land. So such a wonderful alignment and so rare that I get to speak from this place where it kind of all began. So just really excited to be here and chat with you. Um, I guess I want to share this little story about me coming to where I am today because I was always under the impression that I had to sacrifice my own well-being for the benefit of the planet. And so for me, what that looked like, I was in the environmental studies world and was a really big activist and was focusing on food justice and seed sovereignty, doing permaculture work. And I adjusted my eating preferences. So I decided, okay, the best thing that I can do for the planet is to not eat meat, to not eat dairy. Um, And for me, I was experiencing some pretty severe symptoms. And I was literally down and out for about three days of every month. And everyone's body is different. But what I ended up realizing through um, my studies going through school for holistic nutrition and herbal medicine was my body wasn't able to convert plant-based forms of omega-3s. So I had some really serious inflammation issues and was unable to even walk for like three days of the month. And everyone kept telling me, 
you need to incorporate some fish oil. Like that's what you've got to do. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like that is against everything I believe in. I will sacrifice and I will be in bed for three days of every month. And and that's my work. And it took a lot for me to reassess and say, okay, what is actually the most important driver here? And what could I do in those three days of every month to go out into the world and do my work if I could get that much time back? Um, And it's kind of, it feels like a silly story, but I finally, it took years for me to kind of break my, um, I don't even know what to call it, this like strong devotion to not eating any plant-based supplement or food or anything. And then I said, okay, I I literally only need to have fish oil like two days of the month and I get these three days back. And it was this really big shift for me, realizing that we need to be able to take care of ourselves first and be able to fill our own cups. And only from that place of strength and nourishment and vitality in our own bodies can we truly go out into the world and and do the the work that's needed. I so appreciate you sharing that story, Danielle, especially because we've talked a little about this before, but that really mirrors my own journey um, towards healing and the journey of a lot of Loam readers at many of our workshops and events. I get to meet people who have been through that same experience of sacrificing and suffering a lot (laughs) Um, in service of a greater vision. And it's such a sweet reminder, right, that the best way that we can be of service to others is to take the time to truly nourish ourselves. And I'm curious to know if there are any particular mushrooms that you really turn to for that deeper nourishment, Um, because this is a whole new world for me that I would love to learn more about. Yes. So one of the most amazing things about mushrooms as medicine, we call them functional mushrooms, are their ability to nourish from this place of the root up. So they're really not a band-aid in any way. They're not to be used to suppress or even to support a more immediate symptom, but rather think of it like building soil. So building the soil or the foundation of ourselves as tonic. So they're very root-based. They're working on the level of our immune system, our stress response, and our gut health as kind of these big common pillars among this group of functional mushrooms. And so very nourishing. And I love that. That's like what we're doing, right? It's like, how can we, um, how can we start from the ground up? And that's what functional mushrooms are doing in our own bodies. So just to set the stage so we all are on the same page of what we're talking about. Many people hear the word mushroom and that red red mushroom with the white dots. We like to call it at Four Sigmatic, the world's most famous mushroom that no one knows the name of. <laughs> so that Amanita muscaria mushroom, that's what most of us think of, kind of this fairy tale mushroom, or perhaps you think of culinary mushrooms that you use in the kitchen. And we're talking about a really different group of fungi here. And so it helps to zoom out and know that fungi are actually their own kingdom. So we're part of the animal kingdom, there's the plant kingdom, and then separate to that is the fungi kingdom. And it's a really huge kingdom. There's actually six times as many species of fungi as all plants on earth. 
So <laughs> I, I took a bunch of people out on a mushroom walk two days ago and they were spotting all these little tiny species. I'm like, what's this? What's this? What's this? I'm like, just think of all the plants on earth and there's that many more fungi. And it's really just kind of shifting our perspective to start becoming aware of them. And that's what I feel we're finally ready to do as a culture, especially in the West, we're embracing them. So we have this, this kingdom of functional of fungi. And then within the, that, to make it super simple, there's the mushrooms that grow on the earth. These are likely the mushrooms that most of us think of when we have the mushroom image pop in our head. So culinary mushrooms for the most part, psychedelic mushrooms, poisonous mushrooms, those are mostly going to be growing from the earth. And then the mushrooms that we'll be talking about today actually grow on trees. And these are called functional mushrooms. And there's about 300 known functional mushrooms. And what that means is mushrooms that have known studied benefits to the human body. And they're often used in herbal medicine. They've been used in traditions all around the world from Russian folk medicine in Siberia to, of course, traditional Chinese medicine. And these specific fungi species that we'll be speaking of have actually been used in these cultures for what we know at least 5,000 years. And so, again, they might, it might sound new to some of us in the West because we haven't been exposed to them or grown up with them, but the tradition and the history behind them is age old. I'm like wanting to pause and like keep going back in and out. (laughs) Oh, I was like, I'm in this, even though I'm listening to this from my dark closet right now. I totally just felt like I was on a mushroom walk with you. Yes, I love it. That's amazing. So of all of these functional mushrooms, are there any that you have developed a particularly close and reciprocal and regenerative relationship with? Is there, you know, is there one mushroom that you feel like you've been able to connect with on a deeper level and how did that happen for you? And what does it feel like to be in relationship to functional mushrooms that way? Because listening to you talk, I'm just so floored by how you really see up, see and show up for this environment. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I love looking at these functional fungi as our allies and that's really how all plant medicine should be perceived. Like they are there to help and support us. We often forget that with every breath we exhale, we're breathing in life to the plants. And with every breath we inhale, we're breathing in their exhalations. And it's this symbiotic relationship. And that's really how I would love people to start viewing fungi. And for me, the most inviting ally within the functional fungi world was a mushroom called reishi. Uh, Its Latin name is Ganoderma lucidum, or in traditional Chinese medicine, it's referred to as Ling Shi. And reishi is known as the queen of mushrooms. And if our listeners here are familiar with the world of plant medicine and herbal medicine, some of the equivalent energetics would be things like tulsi or holy basil, Um, or rosemary, these herbs that we refer to as wisdom plants. And that's how reishi is in the mushroom world. She's our wisdom mushroom. And what this means is mind, body, spirit is all supported through the constituents found in, in the reishi. And 
the biggest thing that she supports is heart health and the ability for our bodies to unwind and relax. So reishi is full of this vast amount of compounds. And what that really means to us is that no matter what you specifically are dealing with as a human, reishi will find a way to support you in whatever state you're in. So depending on the season or even the time of day, or if you're more or less stressed, reishi will have a differing action in your body. But overall, you can think of her as this mind-body-spirit mushroom that's supporting our body's ability to chill. (laughs) And (laughs) this sounds a little silly. At Four Sigmatic, we give each mushroom a word to make it really easy to take away kind of a a prime action that that fungi gives. And so we call it chill with reishi. And some of the actions we say, reishi is like a warm hug from grandma. (laughs) So I love that. It's that feeling that we remember, right? People always say, people are never going to remember what you said or what you did, but they'll always remember how you feel. And so when you're using reishi, the best way to use her is every day as a tonic to build and nourish and support our nervous system really and our adrenal glands and these big things in our life that we're often super stressed as humans and we don't even realize it. And so what reishi can do through this chill action is tamper down our stress response and It's really amazing. Speaking of coming from this root-based place, what symptoms that we might not even think are related to stress begin to dissolve once that underlying stress response has been tampered down, has been supported. Thank you for sharing that, Danielle. I love the queen of mushrooms. (laughs) I think that's totally something I can get behind. But I also think It's such a gift to learn more about what plant allies we can bring in our life to get to that place of calm so that we can start to take truly impactful action. And that really brings me to something that I want to learn more about is how functional mushrooms really is an integral part of your environmental practice. To me, fungi are the greatest teachers of connection. And I feel that in our world, one of the things that we are really struggling with most, and I saw this in clients, I had a clinical practice for years, is this sense of disconnection. And that's both with ourselves and the earth, not knowing where our food or medicine comes from. It's this disconnection with each other and honestly, a disconnection within our own bodies, right? Sometimes we experience a symptom and we don't have the tools to know what is going on and what can I do to solve that. And so fungi really, they're connectors. They connect every tree beneath the forest floor. Literally every step that we take on this earth, we are stepping on 300 miles of mycelium, which is the underground root system of fungi. That is amazing. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> that is so They're cool. They're everywhere. They're these silent connectors underneath us, supporting us, holding us, no matter where we are on the planet. 
Um, even more so the sense of connection, they, they connect life and death, right. Creating this cyclical vision. They're the grand decomposers of the world. So without fungi, we would be under several feet of debris across the entire planet, right? So they are, they're truly connectors. And I feel that the more we can gain a sense of connection, again, in all senses of the word, whatever the connection means to, to each of you, it could take on a different meaning. But to me, I feel like whether it's connection to yourself, to, to the earth, to the planet, to each other, fungi can be allies in reestablishing that sense of connection. And so as an herbalist, I started with the plants first, like, okay, how can I really connect to that which I'm eating three times a day, that which is healing me and nourishing me? And so I grow as much of my own medicine as possible. I'm actually looking out my window right now of my office and looking at comfrey and rose and lavender and yarrow and chocolate mint and all these different allies that are here for us in Colorado. But with fungi, it can feel like a little bit of a challenge because they are a bit mysterious, right? Some of them have a fruiting stage. So what we refer to as the mushroom itself, that's actually the fruiting body. And sometimes a mushroom will fruit and only last for a few hours. And so think of like an inky cap would only last for a few hours versus mushrooms that grow on trees. Some of our functional mushrooms like reishi or this wonderful mushroom chaga, those will last on a tree. They're perennial. So they'll be on a tree for up to 15, sometimes even 20 years. And so there's this really huge um, spectrum between the mushroom life cycle and you do, I feel like they almost call to you. Like you have to be willing to look at them for them to show themselves to you. And so that's really what I feel like we're, we're trying to do as stewards of the land, of our bodies, as environmentalists is drop in and, and connect, right? Be grounded, connect. And from that place, these mushrooms start to reveal themselves to you. It sounds bizarre, but they really do. It's this it's this relationship. That to me really resonates and raises a question too. You know, I love what you were saying about how you have to be in relationship and part of that is like grounding down and being really present. And I would love to learn more about what that means in the context of cultivating reciprocity in these interactions. You know, how do we harvest mushrooms in a way that's respectful and responsible and in service of regeneration? Are there times when it's better to uh, support mushrooms grown on farms versus mushrooms that are wildcrafted? That to me is such a huge and fascinating conversation that I would love to, to hear your thoughts on as somebody who is really in this beautiful daily relationship with the kingdom of mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different pieces to this. And first, I feel that oftentimes the medicine that we need is going to be growing in our backyard. And the type of herbalist that I am, I'm call, called a Western herbalist or vitalist herbalist, which means really try to focus on what's local to our environment and use that. And it's really amazing what type of medicine we have in our backyards and the type of species that will show up to support what you're dealing with. So that's kind of the first thing is if you 
are ready to go out and forage, hunt, cultivate, you know, start using these mushrooms in your daily life, what's around you? What's in your environment? And that's likely going to be the best thing for your body. And then, of course, from that place of knowing. So, for example, those of us that live, we're in Colorado. We have several functional mushrooms here in our backyard. And even though a lot of the history and tradition comes from the Far East, places like China and Siberia, we actually have Ganoderma species. So species in the same family as reishi and species of turkey tail and these incredible medicinals growing right here in Boulder Canyon. And so going out with your local mycological society and learning how to harvest is always going to be the best way if you're ready to kind of talk about grounding in and being barefoot and tuning into the mushrooms, see what's around you, do a little bit of research of your local area, and you may be surprised about what you find and if that aligns with something that you could be looking for support with. Um, And then beyond that, all of us do have very busy, hectic lives. So it's important if you're choosing a brand to purchase functional mushrooms from to know what to look for. And I work for Four Sigmatic, and this is in no way a Four Sigmatic sponsored podcast, but I chose to join forces with Four Sigmatic because of the way that they were harvesting and extracting mushrooms that really aligned with my beliefs. And a couple of things that were really important to me were one, that all of the mushrooms were grown on the logs that they're found on in nature or wild harvested. And to give you an idea of why that's important, it's you can think of it like we are what we eat. So the mushrooms, they are what they eat. And many companies out there are actually growing mushroom species on what we call substrates. So that could be any sort of grain, often rice and oat are used, but really all sorts of mediums or substrates to fruit upon. And those are often grown in a lab. And if a mushroom, if we're trying to use reishi, and we know that reishi grows on different hardwoods in nature, if we grow reishi on rice or oat, it bears the question, is that truly the same reishi that's been used and studied? And so what really sets Four Sigmatic apart is all of our mushrooms are, they're grown on the logs that they're found on in nature, or for the ones that are important to be wild harvested, we do wild harvest those from their natural land. So an example of one that we wild harvest is, we talked about reishi being the queen of mushrooms, and then there's the king of mushrooms, and the king of mushrooms is chaga, or anotis obliquus. And chaga is parasitic to birch trees. So what that means is it uses compounds in the bark of the birch to fruit, to mature, to grow from. And so it's really important to get a true chaga that it is coming from a birch tree. So we wild harvest our chaga from, it's the largest birch forest in the world. It's called the taiga forest up in Siberia. and Again, um, there's chaga growing in North America as well. Obviously, not to the same in the same quantities. But if you live in the Northeast, you can find chaga in Vermont and Maine, even places in New York. So 
again, like, okay, you know what medicine is growing around you, what fungi are in your environment. And then great if you have the capacity and your lifestyle allows you to go out and learn how to wild harvest. But if not, you can say, okay, I know that chaga is is native to me. And so there could be something that that species can offer you and support your system with. And then from there, okay, let me choose a brand that is providing this medicine in a really authentic and in a real way. And it, it sounds odd, but it really is like, how can we get these species in their truest, most natural forms? Absolutely. I think that's so important. And I think too, that's part of a larger practice of showing up in reverence for the landscape and taking, harvesting only what we need, learning how to live in reciprocity with the land, and also really understanding identification um, and who our true teachers are uh, in this process of coming back into relationship with mycology. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout this conversation, I've just loved <laughs> listening to how you describe mushrooms um, and their structure and their nature. It's just incredible. And something that came to mind as you were talking is there's this really beautiful line in Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown, where Brown talks about how oak trees uh, structure is wired for resilience and the way that the root systems interact with each other uh, beneath the soil helps cultivate resilience. And so what can we learn from the structure and the nature of mushrooms to cultivate our own resilience? Yeah. I don't know if, that, if that's like a super weird question. It's not. It's so amazing. This question. So we'll just break it down simply. What we think of as a mushroom is actually one of three parts of the species. And there's the root system, which we've kind of referred to on and off, that's called the mycelium. And it's essentially this vast underground network of interconnected hyphae, they're called, they're these little strands of um, basically tubes that exchange information and nutrients within, um, within, it's like a cardiovascular system almost. So think of this like blood supply that's happening underneath the soil connecting trees and different plants to one another. So if you've ever dug in soil and you've seen that white stringy substance, that's mycelium. So we have this mycelium and that's what we'll, we'll chat about. But then what we refer to as the mushroom itself, that's the fruiting body. So that's like the apple on the tree. And then there's spores, which are mushroom seeds essentially. And so mycelium kind of dropping back down to the roots, pun intended, they have this incredible pattern. And the pattern of mycelium has actually been captured and put against other patterns, primarily the internet, the human brain, and the universe. And there's almost an identical pattern among mycelium and these other three networks. And it's this interconnected network of sharing resources, of exchanging information and this web offers us such an incredible tool of the way that we can interact with each other, right? It's it's this idea that nothing is alone, nothing can be done on its own, but that we are 
social creatures. We are in symbiotic relationship with everything around us. And it's so easy to forget that as humans. And so this mycelium can serve as a reminder that we are fully connected and integrated to this human mycelial web as much as the mycelium are connected to every plant species. Over 90% of plants depend on their symbiotic mycelium to keep them alive. And so it's this idea of feeling connected again, not feeling alone, knowing that we have resources, we have allies, we have each other. And no matter where you are on earth, there is a network that is supporting you in whatever way you want to look at that. So truly, they are such a visual example of the way that we can structure our communities and that we how we can network and really utilize what our modern day world has handed us in a way that can be sustainable, right? I'm thinking about us not being able to be together in person, even though we live in the same city. And it's like, okay, we have, we have the internet, we have this tool and the pattern of this, that we're able to talk to each other from across town is the same pattern that's underneath both of our feet right now, literally connecting us from across town. Um, so mycelium. <laughs> Danielle, that was so beautiful and so mind blowing. I'm sure this is true for everyone else listening right now, but I feel like I can sense the earth beneath me so differently already, Yes, which is such a gift. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing. Course. What you just said is such a beautiful example of how nature models for us what's possible in the realm of connection and community building and reciprocity. And it's amazing, right, to think that this mu a mushroom in so many ways holds the world and a template for what our world might look like. Exactly. It's like a blueprint. That's just incredible. I agree. <laughs> so maybe it would be awesome to reflect on one way that listeners can bring mushrooms, functional mushrooms, into their lives today. Because I know I'm listening to this right now and just yearning for next steps. And so what for you would be an amazing way to bring these incredible organisms into our activist toolkits? Yes. If you have the capacity to get out in the woods, that is obviously my greatest ask from all of you is to put on a pair of sunglasses, looking for fungi, letting them know that you're there to connect and to tune into them and to start bringing them on board as allies. So almost every city across the country has a mycological society and there's often forays and forages together. So always go out with someone who knows the land and can show you the way. And then for those of us that don't have the capacity, perhaps at this time to get outside and take a break from the chaos of daily life, what we are trying to do at Four Sigmatic is making it so, so simple to elevate your existing routine by adding functional mushrooms into the things that you already do. So it's not about starting a new habit or changing something, but what do you already do? And we found that most people have a daily 
beverage, a daily drink of choice, whether that's a cup of coffee or a cup of chai, matcha, different tea. And so what we've done is extracted these functional mushrooms. So they're really potent, they're bioavailable, and we've incorporated them into whatever your daily beverage is. So we offer mushroom coffees, teas, chais, and it's so, so simple. It's almost, it's so, it's like, how can it be this easy? But it really is. And I know, especially in my private practice I used to have, I would work with a lot of chronically ill people. And it's really, really hard to start a new habit, especially if you don't feel like your own vitality, your own body is is at top um, vitality or that you're at your peak. And so we've really worked to find the most simple way to incorporate the mushrooms into your life. So if you already drink coffee, awesome. Upgrade to a mushroom coffee. If you don't drink caffeine, caffeine-free chai or um, whatever. Think about what you already do. What would be really easy? You know, if you already make a smoothie, we have powders you can add into your smoothie. Like what, what routines do you have in place? And then how can you upgrade that slightly by bringing these mushrooms into that routine? (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Danielle. I hope this conversation fortified you all as deeply as it fortified me. I'm just feeling really inspired and energized right now and eager to just get outside. And thank you as well to Isaac Silk for editing our podcast, to Isaac and Faith Harding for intro music, and to you all for being a part of this community. I hope that you share with Danielle and me your experiences in this new journey of exploring the world of functional mushrooms, and I'm excited to hear what emerges. Bye.